heard much on the very infamous Gonzaga to the Big East front in recent weeks, but that doesn't mean we can't discuss what that could look like from the perspective of a diehard Creighton fan and analyst, which we are going to do right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I am thrilled to be joined today by Matt DeMarinas. Matt is a writer and podcaster for White and Blue Review. It is a website dedicated to all things Creighton Blue Jays athletics. Matt, I know you've covered volleyball, you've covered soccer, you've covered basketball. Very excited to talk to you about Creighton, about the Big East. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, Andy, it's good to link back up with you. I love the love the intro and the whole deal you got going on. Yeah. I don't remember it being quite this like this much flair last I time. I think the last think time you were on my something. show, man. I think the last time you were on my show was when it was Scorezag Score, and so it's been uh, mm. it's it's through a different organization now. So yeah, it's uh, it's there's a little bit of a glow up, a little bit of a yeah. come up with the new new video, new fanciness. But uh, I'm still very excited to get a chance to talk to you. For sure, I dig it. Let's do it. All right. Well, let's get right into it. Uh, so conference realignment, as you know, has kind of dominated the headlines for college sports for, for the last uh, couple months, especially after USC and UCLA uh, decided to head east. They bounced out of the Pac-12, heading to the Big Ten starting in 2024. I think when that first happened a couple months ago, there was a lot of... I think feeling or belief or anxiety, depending on who you talk to, that there was going to be this huge wave of realignment and that a whole bunch of other schools were going to change and that there was only going to be like two conferences. And some of that was a little bit overblown. Certainly we haven't seen Oregon or Washington or Notre Dame or any other school, big schools make any moves. But one of the the topics that came up quite a bit was the potential for Gonzaga to join the Big East, which is something that's been talked about well before this summer. It's it's a very natural fit when you just look at really good basketball programs that don't have football. They kind of make a lot of sense. But I really wanted to get a chance to chat chat with you and just kind of hear the we we look at it so much from the Gonzaga perspective. And I'd love to hear what somebody else who follows the Big East, somebody else who is a fan of a Big East school, kind of what the impression is or the thoughts are about the potential of Gonzaga joining the conference. Yeah, well, you know, the funny thing about realignment in how it kind of dominates um, conversation is it just kind of comes out of blue, out of the blue, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden people start to get mm-hmm. wide-eyed about it. You know, I mm-hmm. think the UCLA, UC, USC thing kind of hit people mm-hmm. um, with their guard down a little bit, and then they started to kind of zoom out a little bit. Wait, wait a second. If USC and UCLA yeah. were planning this behind the scenes, what else is going on kind of thing? Right. So, um. You saw how quickly the Big 12 fell apart with Texas and Oklahoma moving yeah. out of the SEC. Like, it just kind of happens, and then people start to try to see how far the ball will roll. Mm-hmm. Um, in regards to the Big East and, and Gonzaga, I you know, I don't know if if I am in the majority on this, but because mm-hmm. um, I do get a lot of pushback every time I kind of just like throw the tweet out there, like a, mm-hmm. it's kind of like fishing bait at this point. You always get some <laughs> kind of a conversation out of it. Um, 
I don't know. I look I look at this thing and maybe I'm doing it wrong because I think <laughs> a lot of people look at it from just the major sports perspective. Like if you're sure. talking about expansion, mm-hmm. it's basically the question is how does it affect football and how does it affect men's basketball, right? Right. And that's the gist of the conversation essentially. Sure. And especially in the mainstream, right? Like mm-hmm. people can't be bothered to dig into how it affects women's soccer. When I thought it was a bit of a nice stroke of little, you know, um, coincidental um, mm-hmm. destiny that Creighton and Gonzaga played. Yeah, I saw that uh, this fall in women's soccer. And last well, last year when we were talking about Kansas and mm-hmm. Big Twelve kind of having some some upheaval, uh, yeah. Creighton and Kansas played in you know, women's soccer as well. So it's yeah. just like you know what? It's just they're, they're just there. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of makes sense already. Um, I look at it from an all sports perspective, sure. and I don't know how that fits with Gonzaga either. Yeah. Because if 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 they're sitting out there on the West Coast and they're trying to find mm-hmm. some, you know, some stable ground to mm-hmm. to advance itself mm-hmm. into the 21st century as an athletic <laughs> program, yeah, what is that? Like, what what are they really trying to do as a, mm-hmm. as an athletic department, right? Mm-hmm. Are they trying to find a home for men's basketball that just, you know, that's a, a healthy conference that can bring in a lot of revenue and they can yeah. just feed that into their other sports and sustain itself that way mm-hmm. where they can stick their other sports in whatever league they need to. Yeah. Um, that makes sense for them from a financial standpoint. Um, I don't ever look at it like that. And maybe yeah. I'm, maybe I'm wrong for doing that, but I just feel like Gonzaga mm-hmm. as a whole fits the big East. When you look at the profiles of all the sports that Gonzaga yeah. offers. Yep. I think, I think when you look at, cause they get, obviously it's, when you think of Gonzaga, you think of men's basketball. Same sure. thing for Creighton. Mm-hmm. Same thing for you know. You can name a school and kind of pick what you, what they're known yeah. for, right? Yeah. Same thing with Kansas. Yeah. Um, but Gonzaga has a healthy athletic department, in my opinion. Oh yeah. I think. I mean, when you look at their women's soccer program right now, mm-hmm. I think under this new coaching staff that's been there, maybe mm-hmm. I think four or five years. Yeah. Right. Um, you see like an upward trajectory here. Mm-hmm. And this team they've got coming back this year that Creighton just played. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of returners barely yeah. miss the NCAA tournament. Play a quality schedule. They play tough teams. They're really mm-hmm. talented. They play a good style. Yeah. Um, I think that fits with mm-hmm. Big East women's soccer. Yeah. Um, you look at baseball. baseball solid program. Yeah. They turn out pros. Uh, mm-hmm. you know they're maybe not the, um, they're maybe not a a, a consistent regional. Mm-hmm. Um, threat every year, but mm-hmm. when they put the right core of veterans and talent together, yeah, you, they're, they're a team you know is a tough out when they get to a regional. Yeah, that's kind of fits the Big East. You know yeah. what I mean? Every now and yeah. then, a Big East team will kind of have a veteran laden core, mm-hmm. a lot of MLB draft talent. Yeah, and they'll have you know they'll have a, a, a regional where they may even win one, go to a yeah. super, push some teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so that fits the Big East profile for baseball. Yeah. yeah. Um. I don't, I don't, you know, a volleyball, I don't know what Gonzaga is kind of. It's not their strongest sport. (laughs) Yeah, it's not their best sport, right? But then Big East volleyball is kind of a two-team race for the last, you know, five-plus years anyway with Creighton and Marquette. So if you're looking how Gonzaga fits in there, well, Mm -hmm. they kind of fit with everybody else other than that's not a top 25 program. So, again, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be um, climbing uphill there. Right, women's basketball, incredible program. I yeah. think one of the more underrated women's basketball programs in the country. Yeah, if you look at this, the momentum they have going right now, constantly mm-hmm. flirting with that top thirty, top twenty-five, top forty-ish yeah. um, RPI or net. Yeah. Um, talent, great style. Yeah. Uh, now they just made the NCAA tournament this last year, mm-hmm. beat Nebraska pretty pretty handily in my yeah. opinion. 
yeah. um, in that 8-9 game. Yeah. So they have a healthy program there, and then men's mm-hmm. basketball kind of just speaks for itself. So I, yeah. when I look at it from how does Gonzaga fit the Big East, mm-hmm. men's basketball is a no-brainer. I don't even think it's a, a debate. It's all yeah. – honestly, the only thing people push back on now is just like, well, what about the travel? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're in this day and age, I think that that kind of takes care of itself, right, with the way yeah. everybody travels, especially yeah. for men's basketball. Yeah. But they also fit in other sports, and I think it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. So – it, you know, it started out as something that's kind of like pie in the sky, but as sure. conferences start to consolidate more and more, you start mm-hmm. to look for partners that fit and um, schools that just like have healthy athletic departments that aren't going to drag you down, mm-hmm. um, that have some sustainability. And it just seems like the Big East and Gonzaga are partners in the making. I agree 100%. And I love that you brought up some of the other sports because that has been one of the primary conversations that Gonzaga fans have been having is, is how that would fit in. And I do think that Gonzaga and the Big East line up really well on, on basically every sport. But there's obviously the question of, of finances, of travel. Is that going to work? And like you said, Gonzaga would probably or could conceivably at least funnel some of the added you know, media rights, TV revenue, streaming from, from the Big East and funnel that money down to their other programs who are going to need more money because their, I think, closest team that they're going to play in the Big East is probably Creighton. And that's yes. not very close. And so... Right. That, that's a challenge. And, and a lot of people have kind of brought up, which I always think is, is interesting. They're like, well, why don't we just move basketball, men's and women's basketball, and leave the rest of our sports in the WCC? And I was like, look, mm-hmm. I've spoken to Gloria Navarra as the commissioner of the WCC. She loves Gonzaga. There's not a chance in hell that she's going to say, yeah, you can take the biggest moneymaker that our entire conference has. You can leave with it, and we'll just keep the rest of your sp-. They're not going to do that. Like, that's, that. Not, that's not an option. And so... Mm-hmm. And if you're the new athletic director at Gonzaga, you can't go to your baseball coach and say, hey, so we're going to shove you guys in the big sky and we're going to take our basketball program and we're going to move out to the big, like that's not an option either. So the only really realistic option is taking every sport into the Big East. And it's encouraging, you know, hearing you kind of talk about some of those other programs that you follow very closely. The Gonzaga makes a lot of sense. They fit from a women's soccer from a perspective, a little bit from a volleyball perspective, baseball, absolutely. You know, the other Olympic sports, I think is a, is a natural fit, but it is going to be a little tough to convince some of your your student athletes or prospective student athletes or donors or whomever like, hey, we're going to be spending a lot of money to fly our volleyball program out to the East Coast a couple times mm-hmm. a year. Like, that's a tough sell. But the appeal of, of Gonzaga playing Villanova and Creighton and Xavier and since it's go on and on and on and on is pretty it's pretty appealing. It's, it's, it's hard to not want that, even if it means some of this other stuff is going to be a little bit more challenging. That's the one kind of scary part for Gonzaga that you, you kind of wonder about. I think from I think the reason that there's a lot of public pushback from it when mm-hmm. we, when when like people out here and even on the East Coast just mention mm-hmm. it, right, is um they don't think in terms of what they don't think in terms of the non men's basketball side of things, right? Because like for us, when we know those other sports and we kind of have a you know an idea of what they're about, right, in terms of results, in terms of what they are as programs. Mm-hmm. I think it's, again, I think it's a no brainer. And if anyone wanted to have an honest conversation with that, about that, that's mm-hmm. in my area, um, as far as Midwest and moving out towards the New York area. Yeah. I mean, I can do that in my sleep. It just, yeah. there, there it, it is. Yeah. I can check every box that yeah. every team in the big East has gone through. And I can do the same thing with Kansas. People think I'm crazy for mentioning Kansas, but <laughs> once you brought UConn back into the fold, yeah, you introduced, 
um, an athletic program that is just like Kansas, essentially. Yep. When you look at they've got one dominant sport that they care a lot about, mm-hmm. and the rest of it, as you go down, it's like yeah. they're really good in volleyball, okay in baseball, mm-hmm. you know, women's soccer, meh. Like, you know, they, you right. just move on down, you're like, everything fits in the Big East, right? right? In terms of what you care about, what you invest in, what mm-hmm. you're good at. Gonzaga is the same thing. So yep. in my opinion, whenever we talk expansion for the Big East, everyone mm-hmm. kind of stays in the Midwest and talks about Dayton, St. Louis, and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I think about it more in terms of who's doing what athletically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does that fit the league? And two, what kind of TV markets are you talking about? Because that's right. really what expansion is about, right? Yep. We, we, we can talk about that now on the table. Mm-hmm. It's not about anything else in terms of geography or nonsense like yeah. that. It's about TV rights and media yep. revenue and things like that. Yeah, that is a so Gonzaga and Kansas. When you're looking at markets that aren't uh, not not tapped into yet, that the mm-hmm. Big East could potentially funnel into that doesn't have to be. Rick, yeah, I don't know anything else that makes any more sense than those two. Yeah, I, I want since you mentioned Kansas, that's kind of a perfect segue into the last question I had here in this segment. Um, the non-football basketball town in Kansas, <laughs> they're not non-football. They clearly do have a football program, but yes. When you talk about like the Big East has outside of Gonzaga, all of the non-football, the the best basketball programs that don't have football. Basically, every single one of them is in the Big East, with the exception of Gonzaga. There's St. Mary's, there's other good programs, but that's that's the majority. Mm -hmm. Do you think that consolidate? We've talked about how how much expansion, yeah, yeah, expansion realignment, all of that. How much it involves consolidating talent? Do you think that consolidating all of the non-football talent, or if we were to include Kansas, basically the best programs the best basketball programs that have little football or no football do you think it's a good thing to consolidate all that or do you think that 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 having it the talent more spread out across conferences is better well (laughs) i mean i think i think having a geography based conference in terms of your athletes and their families Mm -hmm. is better you know what i mean because that's really what you want to be able when when you're sending your child or loved one off mm-hmm. to school yeah or they're making a decision on what school they want to go to mm-hmm. they really want something that's kind of in their family radius that, that, that their sure. loved ones can come see them on a semi-regular basis mm-hmm. the very worst right mm-hmm. i think we've burned that bridge <laughs> and urinated mm-hmm. all over its ashes like mm-hmm. i don't don't know what's left mm-hmm. to to go back to in that regard so at mm-hmm. this point if you're trying to still maintain that authenticity from a geographical standpoint, yeah, I don't think you're living in the century you need to be living in in order to sustain yourself as a conference. Yeah. I think eventually, I think event, I think you can try. Yeah, you can try to do it from an honest angle like that and try mm-hmm. to say this is who we're what we're about. But I think you're gonna get picked off eventually. Yeah, because because someone's gonna come for your assets. That's yeah. just what's been happening. Yeah. So if Gonzaga is in a league right now, that is geographically centered to Mm -hmm. its recruiting base and the teams it plays in Mm -hmm. they're going to get picked off by somebody it only takes one team to Mm -hmm. make the jump to crater the rest of the league and then you're left holding what you know what i mean exactly so i do i I do agree with the sentiment that Mm -hmm. geographically based conferences is the better Mm -hmm. way to go about it especially from the athlete Mm -hmm. family standpoint Mm -hmm. we're not we're, yeah, we're just past it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's not even worth revisiting because it's not the way people are operating anymore. Yeah. So from that perspective, you look for assets, and yep. Gonzaga has a lot of assets that fit with the Big East. I think yep. the same with Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, those are the, in my opinion, those are the, those are the two starters. And I understand there's worry that this Mm -hmm. world is going to become too consolidated and you'll have um, Mm -hmm. leagues that don't even, sometimes don't even play. You won't even play that team that year. That kind of, it's it's kind of a mess to think about, right? Yeah. Um, It's pretty intimidating to even plan out, especially when you think about conference tournaments and things like that. Yeah. Um, But if you want to keep it simple right now, the big East is at 11. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga makes it 13 again you're mm-hmm. not even talking about the biggest conferences in the last 10 years no. so yep it's Absolutely. it's it's a small way to to jump mm-hmm. at some big fish in yep. my opinion from the Big East perspective all right well Matt and I are going to come back in the second segment we're going to talk a little bit more about Creighton as opposed to just focusing on the Big East we're going to talk about their star point guard who's got a nice connection to Gonzaga but before we do that I want to tell you all about bet online College basketball may be deep into the offseason, but college football is back and the NFL is just around the corner while the WNBA playoffs are fully underway and the MLB is not far behind. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still Locked On Zags. Still want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day and remind you to check out the show on YouTube. If you haven't done so yet, go hit that subscribe button. We're trying to get to 1,000 followers before the start of the college basketball season. We are very, very close. Matt, let's talk Creighton Hoops. I am excited to get into this. Uh, before we talk more generally about the team, I, I want to talk about their point guard, Ryan Nemhard, of course, the younger brother of former Gonzaga point guard, Andrew Nemhard, now with the Indiana Pacers, highest paid second round pick in NBA history. I pretty much say that every time I say Andrew Nemhard's name because I think that that is a fun fact. Uh, Ryan had a very excellent freshman season for Creighton. Uh, I would love to hear your perspective on just just watching him, seeing how he developed over the year and, and what he might look like in year two. Well, yeah, it was unfortunate that when he started to play his his best, most consistent yeah. basketball, that he had kind of a freak injury that derailed the whole thing. So, yeah, um, I think what you were starting to see from him, though, as he kind of, you know, it, it, when he, he graduated into that at, that area where you're a freshman on the on the official mm-hmm. roster, but you're not playing like one anymore, right? Um, you know, you just saw him kind of understanding how to make the right reads and plays while mm-hmm. doing it at Creighton's desired pace a little bit more yeah. consistently. Cause that last year's team was really, was different. And what they figured out somewhere along the line that, um, that their calling card was probably going to be more on the defensive end of the floor, yeah. which is kind of a bucking the trend of, mm-hmm. you know, years on years on years past. <laughs> right. Um, so with that, you're kind of like, okay, um, in terms of limiting possessions, does that behoove us to play to that style a little bit more frequently mm-hmm. where we can have more control on the game and dictate the terms a little bit better? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when you look at Ryan Kalkbenner, um, the eventual Big East Defensive Player of the Year right. as a sophomore breakout big man, 
Um, yeah, Creighton kind of figured out like, okay, this is where this is where we're we're gonna have the best chance to have the best season. Yeah. And it, it didn't even come into the year with any kind of baseline expectation for that too, because mm-hmm. everybody that was gonna play any kind of a major role, with the exception of a couple guys, mm-hmm. were all either freshmen or they right. were sophomores in their first year as in big roles, or yeah. you know they were newcomers at the Division One level for the first right. time. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of all experimentation early on, and once they figured out what their strengths as a group were, yeah. then they started to focus on, okay, how can we accentuate this to the best of their abilities to become the best team they could be? And as Ryan Nemhart started to come on, mm-hmm. you know, with figuring out just, you know, when to push pace, um, mm-hmm. what, what, what guys' strengths were, where to find them, how mm-hmm. to read the floor, how to slow the game down for himself while also playing fast. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the biggest transition that Creighton point guards deal with. And yeah. obviously watching Gonzaga, Gonzaga point guards deal with it too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you have to be able to, you have to be able to play fast while slowing yourself down. Yeah. Very hard dynamic to figure out. Yeah. It, but it's the reason that when you do figure it out, you, 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 you become the orchestrator of an offense. that's yeah. extremely tough, difficult to prepare for and in real time. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the thing that's exciting about Ryan Nemhart is that it looked like, he was starting to figure that out before the injury. You know, yeah. you even go back and watch that St. John's game. Mm-hmm. That's a very open floor style because of the way St. John's plays with constant ball pressure mm-hmm. do it from net, from end line to end line. Yeah. Um, they force you to speed yourself up and it's like a test. Like, can yeah. you, can you play as fast as we're going to make you play? Mm-hmm. And will you make more mistakes than, um, than plays you'll nail yeah. and we capitalize off those. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a big test for a point guard. How mm-hmm. under control can you be in that mm-hmm. amount of chaos? Yeah. And he was at seven assists, no turnovers. And it looked like he was, you know, a veteran senior out there, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, all sorts of different passes, all sorts of different reads, mm-hmm. all sorts of different speeds. And you're like, wow, um, <laughs> he's, he's starting to get it. Yeah. Um, so that's why the injury was a little bit unfortunate because he halted all that. Yeah. So the question for him, and and I think it'll determine the ceiling of this team is how quickly can he get back to that level? Yeah. Because that's kind of where he's where he was starting to go, mm-hmm. and how easily can he sustain it and build off of it? If it well, takes that, him, if it takes it, him until January. Mm-hmm. You might not see a non-con that's a, that goes according to expectations, especially right. with how difficult it is. Yeah, um, from a schedule standpoint. Yeah. Um, but if he's there by mid-January, February, mm-hmm. then March and April might end up looking like exactly like what everybody expected to from a preseason standpoint of Creighton yep. being an elite team, a mm-hmm. Final Four contender, a national yeah. championship contender, all those sorts of things. So it's all about when he f- when he finds that rhythm, how quickly mm-hmm. he gets back to that that St. John's game level. Mm-hmm. And then when he makes his sophomore year jump after that, yeah. like whenever, whenever all that coincides, I feel like that will bring Creighton's offense up to its defense. And mm-hmm. then you'll be dealing with a really, really scary group at that point, I believe. If anybody needs advice on how to run an offense uh, that's going to has final four aspirations, at least Ryan has the uh, fortunate ability to ask his brother because that was obviously what was asked of Andrew. And you kind of mentioned that there weren't a lot of preseason expectations for Creighton last year. That is not the case. 
this year. This team has a lot of expectations kind of put on them because of Nembhard's performance, because of Kalkbrenner, and then because of some of the new additions, notably Baylor Shireman, a uh, transfer out of uh, South Dakota State, I believe, or South Dakota. I can't remember which one, um, but he's a extraordinary player. Yeah, extraordinary player uh, coming into the program. Uh, we've seen Creighton as, as high as top five, top ten. Uh, obviously, we're talking about early September, so there's a lot of time before the games even start. But what are your thoughts kind of about those expectations based on what you saw last year? You kind of touched on a little bit with how how critical of a role Nempart is going to play. But uh, looking at this roster at this point in the season, like what, what do you think this team's ceiling realistically is? Man, I don't know. It's bizarre. Like <laughs> two years ago, they made their first Sweet Sixteen in the modern era of the NCAA tournament, and then right. now they're now they're you know now now I'm hearing Final Four or bust from some people, and it's like, right. <laughs> like when did I mean? Can't you don't you have to cross a bridge before your next uh, yeah. checkpoint is like you know your baseline? Yeah. I think I don't know. Yeah, it's very strange. But mm-hmm. I can't. You know, it's it's almost like it, it, this whole off season has been about that now. So. Mm-hmm. Fair or not, ready or not, they're, they're, that's yeah. what they're going to have to deal with. So, mm-hmm. and and honestly, from talking to you know the players and coaches, you know, in bits and pieces here throughout the off season, yeah, um, they think that, they think they got the goods, so yeah. they believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not really you can't really call foul mm-hmm. on people outside the program who think that they look like a team that could be dangerous, right? Right. I just have some pause about their their uh you know their growth because yeah. they're still not at a point where I, I think back to the you know just a couple of years ago just to keep people just to make a fresh reference for people that that you know people <laughs> can remember that 2020 group mm-hmm. um right before the pandemic hit yeah they looked like a final four team mm-hmm. in March I mean they were yeah. playing at that level mm-hmm. you know they they ran through you know they didn't run through the big east but everyone mm-hmm. that was a contender for either that conference title or, or potentially go to a final four, the Seton halls, the Villanova's. Yeah. Um, I mean, Creighton, Creighton was the better team in all against uh, by far looking mm-hmm. at all those matchups. They, they handled them. They were, they were a nightmare to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, so they looked like they had the goods that year. And yeah. it's funny to me because when I think about the 2019, 20 team, I think about all the conversations I had about, Greg McDermott not being the guy, yeah. fans being frustrated about these inconsistent results. They, you know, win a game they shouldn't win, and then they'll lose to Georgetown, um, mm-hmm. things like that. They got rolled by San Diego State. They didn't look like a team that you were like, okay, yeah, put them in St. Louis as a two seed, let them roll, you know, see you right. in the Final Four, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But they became that, and I kind of feel like this this team right now has that same type of projection to me because I don't know if on day one they're right. going to look like a Final Four team. Sure. And I think the non-conference schedule they put together is going to challenge them to an extreme degree, and yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they flirt with a 500 record through that because of yeah. how difficult it is. Like I think they're going to, I think they're going to dog walk everybody they play at home because the home slate is not meant to be challenging right <laughs> um but they're gonna go on the road at texas they're gonna go to maui mm-hmm. they're gonna play byu and arizona state on neutral floors yeah um like i, I could see some mixed results there i really yeah. could sure and i and, and if they do end up experiencing some adversity in that part of the mm-hmm. of the season mm-hmm. i don't think it changes their ceiling 
Right. Because I just don't I don't think that's when it's going to be determined who they are. I think mm-hmm. if you see them get off to that good start, then maybe there's no doubt that they are that team. Right. And then you're just kind of checking the days until March shows March <laughs> right. comes around, right? But if they struggle there too, I don't think that necessarily is a nail in the coffin and that the expectations were unwarranted. I still think they could become the team that they um that a lot of the national pundits seem that they seem to think they are. Right. Um so it's twofold there. I think mm-hmm. I think these expectations are a little unwarranted at the moment based on what they've done, but there's a lot of talent in that gym. Greg McDermott's a hell of a coach. The staff right. is great. Um, they game plan as good as anyone in the country. There's a lot of reasons to be excited, I guess. So yeah. let, let, let the expectations flow. The players think they've got a Final Four roster in that locker yeah. room. If the players believe it, I can't tell the fans to calm down. So <laughs> go ahead. Go nuts, everybody. Fair this, enough. This should be an interesting year. I wanted to switch and talk a bit more broadly about the Big East uh, for this upcoming season. Certainly, Creighton is, by many accounts, the favorite, or at least one of the favorites to win the conference. Uh, looking around at some of the other teams in the conference, like, how do you think this year is going to go? Like, obviously, we're first year without Jay Wright. That's a big deal. Uh, we got Shaheem Holloway. And, like, there's a lot of changes, a lot of things that are, that are a little bit different in the Big East heading into this year. Kind of, what, what are your thoughts or what are your teams that you think are, are, are really going to be, besides Creighton, uh, who I know we're, we're a little unsure on at this stage in the game, but what are some of the other teams that you're really excited to see uh, this year? Man, that's a, that's a, I don't know, almost everyone. <laughs> yeah. When you think about <laughs> the kinds of, it's not just that changes happen, it's the, it's what the changes were. Like Thad right. Mata's back yeah. in coaching. Yeah, big one. He, he sounded like a classic burnout case, right? Like, get me away from right. this. I yeah. I don't want to recruit anymore. I don't want to deal with the stress of coaching. Yeah. Um. So now he's back leading a Butler program that, you know, has kind of toiled in in some in mediocrity a little bit the last yeah. few years and couldn't really find anything consistent. Um. Even when they got off to a good start, like they were the they were the opposite of Creighton in 1920 before the pandemic. They were like a top five team. Right. Um, they looked really good. They had played Baylor to a one point game in Waco. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like they got into league play and everyone, you know, all the teams who were at the top of the league were just kind of pushing them around essentially. Right. Um, and they, and they, that, that they didn't, and then they had a bad uh, pandemic year, mm-hmm. uh, bad COVID year. Um, and they had some injuries at the end of it too, which didn't help the situation. Some sure. key ones that were long lasting that affected their season this previous year. Right. So that kind of left Laval Jordan in a bad spot. You really, I, I, I don't, I don't think he was. I don't think what happened to him was, was a good deal. I don't sure. think he was a bad coach. I think right. he just ran into some tough luck and couldn't find some consistent footing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they made a change, and yep. that Mata's back. So because yeah. I didn't think he was anywhere on the radar of yeah. coaching a high level D one program ever again, mm-hmm. uh, just because of the way he left Ohio State when yeah. he left Ohio State seemed like he had just been burnt out on the profession itself and sure. couldn't deal with it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Butler is not exactly a low pressure situation. No, those fans want to win. They believe they should win. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're in the big East, if you don't, if you're not trying to win, you're going to get drowned. Yeah. Um, yep. So that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Sean Miller is back at Xavier. Yeah. <laughs> that's also very interesting because he's a coach who, I think has a lot of, you know, cachet in the in the business um, mm-hmm. as a an elite recruiter, uh, yeah. as someone who can win at a high level. Uh-huh. 
However, um, there was a narrative around him about the yeah. ceiling that his that his talented teams could not breach. Yep. Um, and they would they would get eliminated by teams that were lesser talented than them mm-hmm. on a frequent basis, right? Yep. So there's questions there, like what is Xavier's ceiling with Sean Miller back in the mix? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's interesting because Xavier's got a lot back. They won. Yeah. They won. You know, they won the NIT last year. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of talent back from that squad. Yeah, it's a good team. Uh, and obviously, Sean Miller is you know a good coach. He can he mm-hmm. can, can win at a high level. So interesting, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe they're the maybe they're the favorites to win the league. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, I see. I, I think they get lost in the sauce a little bit considering what they have coming back. Right. Compared to Creighton, because oh, by the way, they swept Creighton last year. Um, <laughs> so you know that's that's an interesting team too. Yeah, uh, UConn's always interesting because they just they they talk a lot and <laughs> um, you know they're always going to bark and you never really know if they have any bite until one right. day they do. Um, so they're always interesting. Uh, Villanova, I feel like, is getting disrespected to a level that I don't believe is safe for people to do because mm-hmm. um, I think Kyle Neptune is a hell of a coach. Yeah, he's a great. I coach. just think he doesn't have the you know the the documentation to prove it like Jay Wright does, right? Mm-hmm. But he was part of those special Villanova teams, so right. I think he kind of knows what what to, what it takes to get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think people are playing a really dangerous game if they think Villanova in a post Jay Wright world, you know, hang out with uh, St. John's, Georgetown, and DePaul next year. <laughs> right. Um, careful how much you poke the bear that you, is just sleeping. And you think is dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then year two, Shaka Marquette. He he mm-hmm. had them off to a great start, but. You know, some things got exposed as the year went on. Yeah. Um, what does year two look like? Mm-hmm. Providence is replacing a ton. Yeah. But that seems like a way for them. Honestly, that might be the way they survive in yeah. the in the transfer portal era, if we can mm-hmm. call it that. Um, <laughs> you know, because you you either have to you have to decide what your identity as a program is. Are you going to recruit freshmen at a very high level right and then develop them into players that can turn into veterans that can help you make NCAA tournament defensive tournament runs every two to three four years right or are you going to stock the cabinet full of veteran laden transfers that yep. all want to win that all are great culture guys that all want to be on, all know what it takes to be on the same page and have a collective goal in mind and that way you can counteract some of the things that are disadvantageous to you in recruiting that like when you stack yourself up against a UConn Mm -hmm. or a St. John's or a Nova, where you're losing those battles to high school kids who don't know any better. Mm -hmm. Maybe going after the transfer portal harder is the way your program survives in this era. Makes sense. So so they don't have a lot back from last year, but that's okay Mm -hmm. because Ed Cooley's a hell of a coach and maybe he, Pick the right transfers and they'll be just fine. So mm-hmm. they're interesting. I think it's wide open. Yeah. Because I told you how I feel that I don't think Creighton's at their peak yet. Right. So I think they might have some bumps in the road while they get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, as they're going through that process, the other teams in the league um, maybe get a, a leg up on them. And, mm-hmm. you know, by the time they meet in March, everyone's kind of at a high level. So I think the league is really strong. And I don't know if there's a clear favorite. Obviously, from the outside looking in, Creighton is the clear favorite because mm-hmm. the way they ended last year, despite not having Kalkbrenner for that Kansas game, yeah, despite not having Nemhard down the stretch of the season, Big East tournament final, playing Nova to the wire before Colin Gillespie went crazy, 
Yeah. And then pushing Kansas, who ended up winning the national championship, pushing them all the way mm-hmm. to the wire without Caldwell on the floor at all. I mean, yeah. that's a pretty impressive um, no springboard doubt. to your second season with those with that core group. So mm-hmm. I get it why they're the favorite. And I just think the rest of the league isn't that far off. This sounds like it's going to be an incredibly fun season in the Big East. And I got to say, being able to have conversations about who's going to win a league and being able to talk about six, seven, eight teams, as opposed to the current WCC. I'm a champion of the WCC. I love the WCC, but that's not how these conversations go. It's not how those conversations have gone in the last 20 years. Uh, So it's nice to be able to, you know... Having do you enjoy that as the perennial like perennial favorite by far? Do you enjoy that 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 designation? No, I mean like no, I, not really. Like yeah. I, I think for Gonzaga fans, uh, it's it was hard that like last year was a disappointment, and they went to the Sweet Sixteen for the seventh consecutive year. That mm-hmm. shouldn't be a disappointment. But it was like not only a disappointment for some people, it was like a massive disappointment. And they yeah. lost to a good Arkansas team. Yeah, they probably should have won. They they had some really poor shooting nights. Julian Strother, Andrew Nembhard, I think, combined to score one basket in that game. Like they should have won, but they didn't. And that happens. But Gonzaga's expectations are just so high right now. And, and their conference is, is not really helping in that regard. Like you look at a, a conference like the Big East, like there might be years where they're expected to finish third. And I think some fans that makes them a little nervous and I understand that, but for me, like, I think that's better. That's more fun because you know what third place in the big East, that team could still win a national championship. Mm-hmm. You finish third in the WCC. You probably don't make the NCAA tournament this year. Mm-hmm. You did because it was San Francisco. They got bounced in the first round with an unfortunate draw against Murray state, which was a bummer, but that's the, I mean, that's a huge, the third, I don't even know who finished third in the big East last year. Was it, was it Providence or were they second? <laughs> like whoever it was, it was probably a top five. Uh, seed. UConn. UConn was UConn was a three seed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's crazy and fun and cool. And that's why I mean, for me, I didn't voice my opinion on this show. I voiced it on previous episodes. Gonzaga of the Big East would be incredibly fun for a thousand mm-hmm. reasons, but that's among them. It's like getting to be in a conference where five, six teams have realistic chances of competing, not just to win the Big East tournament but to win the NCAA tournament as well, or at least go to a sweet 16 or an elite eight, like that's the fun, that's the appeal. And hearing this, this recap of the big East uh, and and what this upcoming season might look like is just further proof that Gonzaga needs to get involved here. However they can. Mm -hmm, For sure. All right, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a phenomenal episode. I hope that uh, Gonzaga and Creighton get a chance to play each other in the near future, either as conference mates, potentially they'll run into each other again in the NCAA tournament. May not be something, uh, I'm guessing Creighton fans maybe don't want to see Drew Timmy in the NCAA tournament again if they can avoid it, but uh, hopefully I I think these are two of the best teams in college basketball, and I'm excited to see how their years go. For sure. Hey, always a pleasure to talk to you, man, whether it's uh, privately or on podcasts. Love it. And, I, yeah, I hope we can be conference mates sooner than later. All right. Well, that is going to do it for me today, folks. Thank you for listening to the show. Thanks to Matt for joining me on the episode. We got another great week of shows coming up next week. For now, enjoy your weekend and go Zax.